Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class posted every Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for those who cannot be with us in the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ and for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. As we've been saying, we're so thankful to be able to put out God's word on such a widespread basis, literally all over the world, wherever internet access is available, and to everybody who has that access. We're thankful. The technology, it's just mind-boggling almost, that we can do this. And again, all the glory, the honor, and the praise, and the thanks go to God. If you're listening from some other area than Omaha, Nebraska, we're thankful that you're there, and we pray that as you study with us each Wednesday evening that your faith in God is growing, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, and ultimately that as you keep growing in your faith, you'll ultimately come to God, that you will make up your mind to surrender to Him through Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Jesus as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, and being baptized into Him for the remission of your sins, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Being in God's Word is really important. As, as I just said, Romans 10 and verse 17 tells us faith comes by hearing the word of God. So the more we're in God's word, the stronger our faith should become. And we want to encourage you, as we always do, share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But you know people in your life who need to grow stronger in their faith. They need to come closer to God. They need to change their lives and think about their soul's salvation help them by sharing these studies with them. Your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. In doing so, you may ultimately help somebody to get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing. Also encourage people to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, that's free. It always will be free. As we keep emphasizing, we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When they sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, they will receive these Wednesday night Bible classes, Sunday morning Bible classes, all of our sermons. And they will also receive our daily Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures, and our seven-day-a-week daily short Bible study called Today's Bible Class. While at our website, they can also download and listen to hundreds of sermons and also download and read and study through hundreds of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles. Again, all of that is free. So it is an incredible opportunity to get into God's Word through just an enormous amount of Bible study material. And again, it's there for free just for your use and also for you to take advantage of in growing in your faith. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and worship and study and grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 
3606 North 108th Street. And our Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30, our evening worship on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, and our midweek Bible Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30. You're welcome to any and all of these services, and we hope to see you. We really do. You get to know us better, we get to know you better, and we can grow spiritually together. We're going to get back into our study from 2 Peter, and we're coming toward the end of this really rich letter written by the Apostle Peter by God's guidance through the Holy Spirit. As we keep emphasizing, the Apostle Paul tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Well, that is, it is in the Greek that comes across as being God-breathed, literally. In other words, God's very word. And we've also emphasized that the Apostle Peter wrote that no prophecy comes by any, uh, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. So God guided the writers, the penmen, if you can think of them that way, the men he chose to write down his word as scripture. He guided them through the Holy Spirit to make sure that they wrote it correctly. And we can have absolute confidence in the Bible as being truly God's word. Incredible. In fact, there is more evidence to support the Bible that we have today as being that very word of God that was written down thousands of years ago. We have incredible evidence supporting that. More so, in fact, than any other ancient book that was written. Well, we're going to get back into 2 Peter chapter, uh, begin actually with 2 Peter chapter 3 this time. We have been studying through the first two chapters, and we've been taking our time looking at it in depth and in detail, and really learning lessons as we go along that we can pull from this text of Scripture. We'll continue to do that as we go through chapter 3. In chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, the Apostle Peter wrote, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle or second letter on both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Now, of course, the first letter that he wrote was 1 Peter. So this is the second letter that the Apostle Peter writes down as scripture. And he says, I'm writing this uh, to you that I may stir up your minds or stir up your pure minds by way of reminders. Think about when Peter was probably with some of these Christians, probably leading some of them to become Christians, teaching them the gospel of Christ. Now, we don't have a biblical record that Peter went to this place and that place establishing congregations as we do have a biblical record of the Apostle Paul doing that. But when you think about how he first addresses his first letter, 1 Peter, In chapter 1 and verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. And here we may get an understanding or at least a reasonable 
idea that perhaps Peter actually went to those places, actually went to those places, at least some of them, and had a part in probably leading many to become Christians there and also to help ground doctrinally and spiritually and their spiritual lives many of those who might have already been Christians in those areas. And so he's writing this to stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. The Apostle Paul certainly did the same thing as he would write to the congregations back in Philippi, back in Colossae, back in, uh, in Ephesus. Uh, he would write those things, and also in Thessalonica. He would, he would write letters. He had been in a number of those places, and, so, and, and also these letters would have, been, uh, would have been transferred, so to speak, or copied, may had copies made of them, and then passed on to other congregations in, the, in those various areas. And so even after he had been there in person, think about he spent a good deal of time in, in Corinth working with that congregation and also in Ephesus. And so he writes different letters to them, and certainly he's giving some new instruction probably, maybe giving some corrective kind of instructions because of things that might be going on in those areas. Uh, certainly at the churches of Galatia, a number of congregations in that Roman province, but he's also reminding them of things that he had taught them, things that they had already learned through God's word and through the gospel of Christ. So here Peter says, I write this to you, this second letter, in both of which I stir up your minds by way of reminder. And so he's reminding them of things that they had already learned as well as giving them some further instruction. In verse 2, he goes on and says that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now, the holy prophets, probably a reference going back to the Old Testament prophets, and maybe some New Testament Christians who had been blessed with the miraculous gift of prophecy. But probably mostly he's referring to the prophets of the Old Testament scriptures, and of course, there were many of those, and we have those books in the Old Testament laid out for us, such as Isaiah and, uh, and, and Jeremiah and, and Malachi and, and on and on, Hosea and such. Well, certainly the Old Testament scriptures were taught as part of God's plan for New Testament Christianity. We see that Jesus would frequently refer back to the Old Testament prophets while he was here on this earth teaching the New Testament gospel, the gospel of Christ. And so certainly that was used as a base text to teach people about the Savior who came in the person of Jesus Christ, but still being God the Son. And so Peter is reminding them that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. 
And so Peter says, also, you know that we gave you instruction from God, commandments from God as divinely appointed and also divinely endowed apostles of Jesus Christ, reminding them. We need reminding, don't we? We need reminding in lots of different areas of our life. Uh, We need to be reminded about how we ought to act around other people. We we need to be reminded about how we need to love our husband, our wife, our children, our parents, uh, our friends, and so on, our fellow Christians. We need to be reminded sometimes about, well, how do you do this job? You learned to do this job maybe years ago, but, you know, have you become careless about it? Maybe a little bit lackadaisical. Sometimes we just need to be kind of spurred in our memory that, yeah, I need to pay more attention. We need to be reminded about a lot of things, how to take care of our physical bodies, our health, and so on. But we need to continually be reminded about all of the instructions that God has communicated to us in his word. We never get finished studying the Bible. Never. I, I've been reading God's Word. I, I don't know how many times I've read through various books of the Bible, and I've gone through the entire Bible. I'm not sure uh, how many times, but I have uh, certainly gone through the New Testament numerous times, and I still learn as I go back and go through things again. I, I may read a particular verse of Scripture or a particular text of Scripture. I may have read that. I may have written on it. I may have taught on it, preached on it hundreds of times. And then sometime I'll go back and go through that same text or that same verse, and all of a sudden something else will jump out that I had not really caught in fullness all of those other times that I have read through that particular text or that particular verse of Scripture. That's how rich God's Word is. That's how rich the Bible is in knowledge communicated and instruction given. And so Peter's reminding them, I'm writing this to remind you, to remind you to be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And it's, you know, some people actually read the Bible through every single year, every single year. I admire people who do that, who are that disciplined that every year they'll get, pick it up and and start reading through it again. And there are daily Bible reading schedules that are available. And basically someone might say, well, boy, that that seems like a, a monumental task to be able to read the Bible through it a year. Not really. It's just a matter of self-discipline and following through. It comes down to generally reading about three chapters a day, and that's really not that much. Now, I tend to be a fairly slow reader compared to a whole lot of people, but I could read three, chapter, three chapters a day in probably, oh, maybe 30 minutes or so. And many people could read three chapters in, in a whole lot less time than that. And so most of the time, if you just read three chapters a day, you will get through the entire Bible in one year. Go think about that. All of a sudden, it doesn't seem like such a monumental task, does it? 
we need, and as we keep reading through it, we keep picking up more and more. I remember one time many years ago where I was preaching down in Louisiana, we instituted a daily Bible reading schedule, read the Bible through it a year. And I remember there were a couple of of ladies who were, I wouldn't say elderly ladies, but they were, they were older. They were more advanced in their years. And so they did that the first year. They read it all the way through. And I think it was a, quite a blessing for them. The next year, they began reading it all the way through again. And I remember they, they talked to me and they said, you know, I'm, I'm picking up things this time that I did not pick up last time. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the way it is. Again, God's word is so rich, so rich. So Peter says, I now write to you this second letter, this second letter, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And then in verse 3, he goes on and says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. Scoffers? What are scoffers? Well, we understand what it means to be scoffed at. Somebody ridicules us. Somebody challenges us as far as our truthfulness or reliability might be concerned. And scoffers would come. Now, what kind of scoffers? He says they'll come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of God? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Well, there were scoffers at the foot of the cross when Jesus hung on that cross and gave his physical life as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. You can read about those scoffers. Yeah, if you're the son of God, come on down. Well, uh, and, and I'm sure we don't have all of the challenges, scoffing challenges and ridicules and berations, uh, beratings that, that the peop, some of the people at the foot of the cross were throwing at Jesus verbally. Scoffers, there are scoffers out there all the time, making fun of people who really try to live a faithful, dedicated, consistent Christian life, ridiculing them because they're goody-two-shoes or they're religious fanatics, uh, you know, and, and, and the charges, the names, the... the the demeaning statements and, and descriptions go on and on and on. Jesus was scoffed at while he was walking upon this earth, while he was preaching the gospel, while he was doing the mission, fulfilling it that God sent him to do. He was scoffed at. He was disbelieved by most of the very people who should have been looking for, anticipating, and ready for him to come as the Savior. Most of those rejected him. They were the ones, at least the Jewish authorities, were the ones who instigated his crucifixion. Oh, yes, they did not believe in Jesus. And how ironic is it that, and the Apostle Paul talks about this in his Romans letter, chapters 9 and 10, the beginning of those two chapters, how it was the Jews who received the prophecies through the Old Testament prophetic books. They are the ones whom God was specifically and specially preparing for the coming Savior. 
They should have been looking for him. They should have been waiting for him, praying for him to come. And yet when he came, the vast, vast majority of them rejected him. Now, how, how ironic is that? Now, did many Jews become Christians? Yes, but the very small minority compared to the Jewish population as a whole. And it is still that way today. Most of the Jews in the world today reject Jesus as the Savior. I'm not sure you realize that. They do not believe in Jesus Christ as being the Son of God and our Lord and Savior. And they're the ones who studied those prophecies from youth on up, and yet they rejected the Savior when he came. Now, the scoffers. Well, here, Peter is talking about some who were unbelievers, but they heard about the gospel of Christ. They heard about Christianity. They heard about Jesus being the Savior, and they had heard about the fact that he had said he's coming again to judge the world. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, Acts chapter, Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. And so they're waking up every day. The sun's still coming up. The end of the day, the sun's still going down. They go to sleep at night. They wake up in the morning. The seasons keep changing. The grass keeps growing. The crops keep producing. Everything seems to be going on just normal as it always has, and it keeps on going that way. And so there, Peter is saying they're scoffing. They're ridiculing. Everything's keep on, everything keeps on going. What do you mean he's coming back? Now, of course, there are those who are absolutely focused on scoffing at or challenging or really questioning in very straightforward ways, not just whether Jesus is the Savior, but whether even God exists. You've got atheists, outright atheists. They absolutely deny the existence of God. But then you have others, and they're really pretty much atheists themselves for the most part, but they're identified as skeptics and agnostics. And so can I really believe in God? Can I really believe in the Bible? Well, what about this? What about that? And they scoff. Well, here in Peter's day, that first century, during which Jesus walked upon this earth, the church was established, Christianity really started spreading, and yet there were still scoffers at that time. That's humanity. And you know who's behind the scoffing? Now, I know the human beings who are the scoffers themselves, it's their lips moving and the words are coming out of their mouths, but the devil is working through them. He's the one instigating their doubts and their challenges, their disbeliefs, and he's the one instigating their scoffing about Christianity, about Jesus, about God. That's been going on pretty much since the beginning of time. And it's certainly going on today. And so Peter says, and this was so soon after Jesus walked upon this earth, and there were already scoffers. Not that many years since the church was established on this earth, and there were already scoffers. 
such that Peter found it needful to address that reality in this second letter, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Uh, no, did they forget about, did they forget about, did they forget about the flood in Noah's day? Well, certainly that was a cataclysmic period when all things were not continuing as they were from the beginning of creation because of the wickedness and evil continually in the lives of mankind throughout the world at that time, with the exception of Noah and his family, God destroyed humanity. He destroyed all of humankind from the face of the earth, and he destroyed virtually all of the rest of life on this earth. Again, sparing Noah, his family, through the ark and the animals that God would send into that ark for Noah and his family to care for during that long period of global flooding. Everything outside that ark that walked upon the earth or that grew on the earth died. It was destroyed. And so the scoffers, they're overlooking that or they're just downplaying it or they're forgetting it, or they're just not believing in it or something. But they're saying, hey, everything keeps on going, just like it always does. Sun comes up, sun goes down. Spring changes to summer, summer changes to fall, fall changes to winter, and that happens every year. The cycle goes on and on. Well, they're scoffing. But Peter goes on in verse 5, and he says, For this they willingly forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water. So we're going back to the time of Genesis chapter one and verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was, was without God. And if you look a little bit further, right after that first verse, what does the creation account bring out about the earth? Verse two, it was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so Peter says, yeah, these scoffers, they're forgetting that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water, by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. And so you go back to the very beginning, and the world was without form and void, God brought order to the world as we know it today. He established life upon it. But then the very next verse, verse 6, and Peter is covering thousands of years of history here in just kind of one fell swoop, virtually all one sentence. And he says, the word of God, by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water. God created everything that we see around us. The whole universe put it in order and then he destroyed this world by, uh, with a flood of water, the days of Noah. Interesting. And so how long did all of that take 
for all of that history to transpire, thousands of years. And so Peter says, these scoffers, because they don't see Christ coming back for judgment during their lifetime, or maybe during just a period of a few years as they're focusing, he says, they're forgetting. You go back. We're talking about God bringing things to be over long periods of time. Interesting. Interesting. Verse 7 says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word of God, the word of God, by which or through which he said, Let there be light, and there was light. And then God sent the flood waters upon the earth. The heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, the word of God, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God has pronounced, and we have that written for us in his word more than once, that there will come a day when he will destroy this world by fire. Not by water again, but by fire. Now, when will that day be? We don't know. Only God knows. Jesus even said, only the Father knows when that day will be. But just as surely as God created the world and the universe, and just as surely as he destroyed this world through water in the days of Noah, just as surely there will come that final day of judgment when the wickedness of mankind will prevail, I think we're to understand to such a degree that God will say, that's it. And he will destroy this world, but this time by fire. We're going to stop and park, and we're going to come back and continue this study next time. Let's pray together. Father, help people in their unbelief to become believers, to open their eyes and see the truth, the obvious truth that you are God, and that your word is truly your word, and that we can have confidence on it, in it, and that through it, we can live our lives with the greatest hope and ultimately realizing the absolute greatest promise, the realization of that promise that comes from you, eternal life, with you in heaven, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior. Help people to come through this transition to recognize this truth, we pray, and guide your church to help people come to that realization. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.